some um, things with Israel. And we know that there was a resolution that was made, and if you don't know, there's a resolution that was made that was basically stating that, that they were redividing and stating that some of the land that was previously given to Israel, uh, they were taking back off the table and such. And we know that in the United States uh, government at that point in time, which has traditionally uh, has vetoed any types of those types of resolutions, stood by silently and let that pass, and they abstained from voting. Today, in Paris, probably already, in the works or a meeting. There is an event that's going on, another alignment of, of other countries, and our, the United States is there, and going to be talking about more sweeping decisions concerning Israel, concerning dividing up the land, concerning uh, all kinds of restrictions, and, and is trying once again to establish a state in an area that God has given to Israel. And uh, we just need to pray. Tonight, in tonight's evening service, we're going to spend some extended time of prayer on this, and also for our nation as we're talking about the inauguration that's happening in this week, and, and just this whole shift that there's these things that are happening in our nation. How many of you know we need to pray? And so we're, we're taking our Sunday nights during this time of prayer and fasting. We're concentrating on prayer. And I, 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 I hope you come out. I hope you don't, you know, just neglect this time. You know, last week we ended up, we talked about how prayer is a work in progress, all right? It's, it's work, all right? It's, it, it's not just asking God to do things, but it's doing warfare. It's doing intercession. And, and your flesh doesn't like it. How many know your flesh doesn't like to do spiritual things, all right? It comes against those things instead. And, 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 but the very simplest of things that we can do by praying and saying, God, we need you in America. We need your will to be done. Now listen, the things that's going to take place in Israel, God, God's already got his hand in play as far as what things are going to take place, all right? There's no fear for us. There's, there, there's, you know, God's will is going to be done in Israel, all right? He sets up authorities. He takes care of those things. So, so what we see that plays out, don't let fear start to you know, get within your innermost being. But instead, realize that, yes, what? We want to be on the winning side. We know that God's the winning side, all right? And so, so go ahead, and we're going to pray, but we're going to pray that, that, hey, that hopefully, Lord, that you'll let America be seen as a supporter of Israel. Amen? Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And we're thankful that you've given to us an opportunity as a church to be involved in this process. And Lord, we don't want prayer to seem as it is, it is, a, it is senseless or it won't have any effect at all. But you told your people to pray for the peace of, of the nation of Israel. You told us, God, to, to bless Israel. You said, Lord, that, that those who are in, in relationship with, with Israel will also be blessed. It's happened historically. We can see it throughout the word of God. We can see that that happens. And God, we want America. We want the United States of America to be part of that equation. And so we pray for wisdom. We pray, God, for interaction. We pray for your Holy Spirit to just come down and settle in that room. Settle in that room, in that gathering spot with those world leaders as they are, as they are considering the changes and the things that will take place that will affect, really, your return. Lord, I, I, that we know the word has been written. There's, a, there's some things that have to be played out. And, and, and Lord, our, we could be living in that time. So let, the, let the, the United States of America be found as a partner with the nation of Israel. God, I pray that you would just move in a powerful way. 
I thank you for this service. I thank you, God, for working and doing the things that are necessary to make us into the people that you want us to be. Thank you for, for this word that you've laid on my heart to share with these people. I pray for receptive ears, open hearts, and God, that we would truly hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I have a question for you. The title of this message is called Emptied to Make a Difference or Emptied. How many of you like to eat? <laughs> yeah, you love to eat. How many love to eat? I mean, you, you think about special dishes from time to time and you say, oh my goodness, you, you see a picture of something and, and you're just like, oh, I got to get the recipe for that because that looks really good. How many of you know what I'm saying? All right, yeah. We, we love to eat. We love even to be satisfied. Sometimes we've eaten so much at different times, something looks so good to the eyes that it was more than our stomach can handle. How many of you say, yeah, that was me at times? A time or two, right? How many of you have ever gone to a buffet and feel like you have an obligation? <laughs> yeah. Now, now they're, they're hoping to make money on you, but some of us literally walk in there and say, you're not going to get one over on me. I'm not just going to eat one plate. I know this price that I paid includes more than one time to the, to the bar, and I'm going to go, all right? You want to get your money's worth, and you regret at different times when it's all over having that experience because you're like, oh, my goodness, I am so full. We as humans tend to always want to live in full or on full in every areas of life, in of our life. We find ourselves saying we want contentment, but contentment usually isn't really ever achieved. We want security, but we sometimes don't ever feel secure. So we're ever achieving to get fuller in this area, fuller in our happiness, fuller in our abundance, fuller in the things that will make us feel fulfilled. I think it is safe to say that as Christians, we desire, though, also at the same time to live for him and desire to have a full life. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I want to tell you a story of a, of a man who experienced a, a full life. There was a boat that was docked in a tiny Mexican village, and, and an American tourist complimented a particular Mexican fisherman on the quality of his fish and asked how long did it took him to catch the fish. The man said, not very long. Well, then why did you stay out longer and catch more, asked the American. The Mexican explained that his small catch was sufficient, say sufficient, <laughs> to meet his needs and those of his family. And the American said, but what do you do with the rest of your time? To which the Mexican replied, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, and take a siesta with my wife. In the evenings, I go into the village to see my friends, play the guitar, and sing a few songs. I have a full life. To which the American interrupted and says, I have an MBA from Harvard, and I can help you. Here's what you should do. You should start fishing longer every day. You can then sell the extra fish you catch. With the extra revenue, you'll be able to buy a bigger boat. With the extra money the larger boat will bring, you can buy a second one and a third one and so on until your entire fleet of tr you have an entire fleet of trawlers. Instead of, instead of selling your fish to a middleman, you can negotiate directly with the processing plants and you can make bank. You can then leave this little village and move to Mexico City, Los Angeles, or even New York City from where you can direct your huge enterprise. To which the Mexican said, how long will that take? 20, perhaps 25 years, replied the American. And after that, afterwards, that's when it really gets interesting. Because 
Americans, you see, when your business gets really big, you can start selling stocks and make millions. Millions, really? And then after that, he says, after that, you'll be able to retire, live in a tiny village near the coast, sleep late, play with your children, catch a few fish, take siestas with your wife, and spend your evenings enjoying it with your friends. Living the full life. How many of you know that sometimes the very thing that is the plainest before us is sometimes will fill us up to the greatest amount of satisfaction? The plainest thing. I mean, the thing sometimes that, that other people or the world or even the culture in which we live belittles or plays down. We're going to take a look here this morning about what it means to be emptied. And by being emptied, we can make a difference. We're going to see how that Jesus himself was emptied. We're going to give you a passage to read with that in just a moment. But first of all, I want you to know this, that someone who is full of themselves is truly empty. I want you to remember that, that thought, all right? Someone who is truly full of themselves is truly empty. I want you to turn in your text, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. Verse number 3 we'll begin with. We find an occasion of, a, of an account within the Bible where a woman is going to anoint Jesus in pre-burial. This particular occasion of this woman anointing Jesus is, is uh, not this particular occasion, but it's, uh, it's found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke may be, by some scholars' account, may be actually a different occasion, and depending upon you know, a number of different factors, it may have happened earlier within Jesus' life. So this could actually be the second time in which Jesus is being anointed. Okay? It's just something for you to, to consider and ponder. Some individuals think it was actually the same account with some different uh, perspectives that were taken. So if you read these, this account of this woman who was anointing Jesus, it, it's interesting because the Bible in Mark... He says, and wherever this story is told, we'll get there in a minute, it, uh, this woman's name will never be forgotten. But he doesn't give her name. <laughs> the action, actually, that she's done will never be forgotten. So let's read in, in verse number 3 of Mark chapter 14. It says this, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came from an alabaster, a woman came, not from, <laughs> with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. <laughs> this particular action of this woman, with no name in this particular account, is going to be told over and over again. It will be associated with this woman preparing me for my burial. Now, the burial was important, but how many of you know the resurrection was ever so much more even important? Amen? He had to die, but he was going to be raised. But it was all part of the process. But there was so much more that was, a, that was happening here. You see, to be empty, 
of ourselves and to be full of Christ should be the experience that each and every single one of us are constantly longing for. What does that mean? What does it mean to be empty of ourselves? Well, it's hard to understand sometimes. But so let's go ahead and read that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. We're going to see the example that Jesus Christ set for us. Philippians chapter 2, 5 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in, G- in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Have this attitude. Have this, this thought process. Have this desire that, guess what? I should take on, I should be like Christ, who was in the very nature God. He existed in the form of God. He didn't, wasn't worried about equality with God in order to fulfill his purpose, but instead knew that he had to empty himself, had to get rid of a certain part, had to put off certain parts of his the, 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 the entitlements to which the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords should have and say, it's not about that, but it's about me becoming a bondservant. It's about me becoming less so other people can become more. The original word for empty means to empty, to make empty, or to make vain or void. You see, Jesus did some of the things for a season when he was there in heaven, all right? He had all of the, the privileges of being in heaven. But then he said, I'm going to accept limitation. I'm going to accept suffering. I'm going to accept lowliness within my body so that others might be able to be full. And full of me is what he was hoping Jesus literally poured himself out and made himself nothing for you and for me. And instead of our response, our natural response instead of that is take more. Give me more. Fill me up more. And sometimes the desire isn't for more of him, but more of the things that this world has to offer. Many times if you was to scrutinize or you was to evaluate or you was to look at the prayer requests of a number of people throughout this world or supposedly in Christendom, you would find that many of their prayer times are filled with requests to make their life easier, to take away the pain, to be able to live the full life, the easy life, the blessed life, not worrying about things. Listen, I'm not suggesting that we should worry. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be full. I'm I'm just saying to you that the agenda that we have and the desire for the things of this world have to change. Throughout this experience and this time of prayer and fasting, the reason that we started cooking some sausage links in the sanctuary pre-service so that at the time of the announcement would start to happen is so that you would have something that would click in your mind and, and there'd be something to kind of stir in your belly and there's something that would be there and saying, you know what, that sausage smells pretty good. Now, not everybody's doing the Daniel fast, and, and it doesn't matter to me if you're, you're pulling out a, a certain TV program, or you're cutting out some other types of sugars, or whatever it is, but, but there ought to be something within your life during a time of fast where you're able to look and have a desire for those things and say, you know what? As I said last week, you don't own me. I can smell it, but I don't desire it. 
Or I'm going to restrict my desire. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you've you got to desire. You can't lie to yourself. Eh? But, but you, you say, it's not going to control me. I am not going to give in. The world is lacking the ability to be able to say no to the things of this world too many times over and over again. And we make the excuse and we say, I just couldn't help myself. What a shame. What a shame that you could be a believer, a follower of Christ, and be full of Him, and still be able to make the statement, I can't help myself. There's two ways to look at that, is there not? Surely, I can't help myself. He needs to do it for me. But guess what? It is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you. And I may not be able to help myself, but the Spirit of God that lives within me is able to help me to do what I cannot do by myself. So the Word of God says this. He says this. He says, are you living by the Spirit or according to the flesh? we find that our proper response to what Jesus did as he brought himself low he says you have this attitude also you in response humble yourselves and accept the role of a bond servant oh yeah your flesh will resist it but guess what it will fulfill the God, God's purposes in your life you see, she emptied her alabaster box so she could be filled with Jesus. I wonder what you're doing. <laughs> what you're doing with the prized possessions. What you're doing with the dreams and the desires. We're to talk about that, all right? You see, the first thing I want us to learn about the emptied alabaster box is that Mary emptied her dreams. Her dreams, what do you mean? I mean she made a deliberate decision to take something that had originally another purpose and used it for something else. Within that alabaster box was wrapped up dreams for her life, things that she had hoped for to become. From childhood, we're encouraged to dream dreams, are we not? To dream about your futures. Our careers, our marriage, what we will drive, where we will live, what kind of house that we will have. People will ask us, what do you want to do when you grow up? How many of you that's changed a few times throughout the years? <laughs> How many of you had some pretty outlandish things that you wanted to become? Did anyone ever want to become a superhero at any one point in time? There we go. All right, yeah. Come on, raise your hand. Anyone else want to be a superhero? You're like, hey, that's, that's, I wanted to be able to do that. I want to be able to fly. I want to be able to save people and deliver people and you know, help them over and over again. For girls, though, dreams may have been a little bit different than the guys. The guys, I mean, they wanted to grow up and be a fireman or, you know, and, and they might be a policeman or they might be a construction worker or something. And, and, and girls, I'm not saying that you couldn't be those things if you wanted to, okay? So don't get me wrong here. But, but they've also got some different dreams and maybe their dreams are about their wedding days, about the colors of the dresses that will be worn, the flowers, the guest lists, the cake, the kind of home they would have, how many kids they would have, the color of their eyes and their hair. They're thinking that stuff through more than guys usually. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and you know, they're thinking about the, 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 the wedding day and the final detail of all of the wedding plans is, oh yeah, the groom will be there. Everything else has to be fine. 
but the groom will be there. Guys, all we got to do is show up. And it's similar to the, this alabaster jar or this box represented in Mary. You see, in the days of Jesus, when a young woman would reach the age of availability for marriage, her family would purchase an alabaster box or jar full of this nard, full of this ointment that was, that was smelled so beautiful. And the size of the box was often related with the value of the family and the ointment. And the value of the ointment would be uh, compared to the, the family's wealth. The box would be a dowry, and it would be similar to what we would see today in the form of a hope chest, to where she would be able to present this as a gift to her groom. Proverbs 19.21 tells us this. It says, many plans are in a man's heart. How many of you know we're, we're thinkers? Okay, we're thinkers. We don't always think the right way, but we are thinkers. <laughs> we make some plans. And we have dreams, and we have of a future, and, and, and this alabaster box represented her future. But guess what? Mary was willing to give up her dream. And here is where some people have some difficulties. Because they're just like, well, you shouldn't have to do that in order to live for God. I mean, you shouldn't have to leave everything. Why would he ask that anyway? If he loves us so much, why would he put these things in my heart only to say that I can't have them or I have to give up on them? How many of you know that, that, that that's what the world thinks? How many know that that's sometimes what you think? Like, Lord, I don't know. This is a dream of mine. If I give this in this area, whatever it may be, then I may not have this dream fulfilled. Now, there's nothing wrong with making plans. Listen, I mean, Psalm 24, may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. That's, that's what the psalmist tells us to, to pray. It's kind of a blessing. But there is a problem when our dreams get ahead of God's desires. Some of you know the dreams that you've had. And the dreams that you had was taking you down a path of destruction rather than a path of fulfillment with the things of God. You know and you realize because guess what? You didn't have God anywhere in the equation. You didn't think about what it would mean. Sometimes our dreams, sometimes the dreams that even the enemy will start to put and make look appetizing or appealing in our lives takes God totally out of the equation, means, you know what, uh, this is a dream that I'll have. I'll become a superstar, but you know what? i got no room and time for the body of Christ. Listen, there's a reason in the Word of God that he says, don't forsake the assembling together in the end times, in the last days, as many are in the habit of doing. He says, don't do it. In other words, take into account how you're going to work together. That doesn't save you, but it's an important part of the ingredients in you contributing to the working out of the body of Christ. There is a thought that Joan of Arc said, and this is taken from the Voice of Martyrs, and she said, every man gives his life for what he believes. Every woman gives her life for what she believes. Sometimes people believe in little or nothing, and so they give their lives to little or nothing. No, or One life is all we have, and we live it as we believe in living it, and then it's gone. 
But to surrender who you are and to live without belief is more terrible than dying, even more terrible than dying young. There's been many a people throughout the years that have struggled. There's been some parents out there that has realized that their kids are growing up and going to be going to a mission field. And there on that mission field, especially in days of old, there was not any certainty whatsoever that that person was going to return back to their home. We find that many of them took every worldly possession that they had and they took it with them with not the intent to return. Grandparents and brothers and sisters would say goodbye with the hopes of maybe seeing them, but not a hope that was a believing kind of hope. Why? Because their dreams were being sacrificed. The dream of, a, of a, every grandparent that they have, that they would be able to see their kids bear kids, and then the grandkids come over and be able to spoil them and to be able to send them back home. Some people, for the cause of the gospel, have given that up, realizing that they will never be able to share in that particular dream, because guess what? His purposes and his plans are more important. Think about that alabaster box, because the second thing I want us to concentrate on is that Mary emptied her desires. Listen, you aren't human if you don't have desires. It doesn't matter if they're holy or they're unholy. I can remember a particular occasion when my desires got the best of me and I acted out in a way that I am so embarrassed of. I didn't, I was a, I was a pretty good kid. Isn't that right, Paula? Compared to her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paula's my sister, for those of you who don't know, all right? But... I, you know, I, I tried to make right choices. I tried to, to make sure that my, my parents would be proud of me and such. But, but I had the desire for this mini bike. I mean, my cousins got, you know, motorcycles and mini bikes and such. And, and I had one. And, and my mom and dad had, had come up with this idea about how I was going to get this mini bike. And this other guy was going to help him get it for me and such. And, and it was actually like even a homemade thing. I mean, it was a, it, it's a neat frame. And I'd seen kind of pictures of what it was that we were going to make. And it just wasn't coming together. And I can remember we had talked about it, and, and my parents spoiled me. i got to tell you, they, they, they spoiled me. I, I'm, I'm one of those spoiled people, but I'm spoiled good, all right? <laughs> you know there's a way of spoiling good, right? They're spoiling good by, by giving responsibility. But they did whatever they could to give me many of the desires of my heart. But in this particular one, things didn't go my way. And I can remember coming home from school when that mini bike was supposed to be there, and guess what? It wasn't there, and I threw a hissy fit. This little red head. I, 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 I took a walk. I kicked the ground. I was just like, you said it. You said it was going to be here. I thought it was going to be here. And, 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 and they saw the way in which I responded and probably was like freaking out. Because like, whoa, this isn't like our son. But the desire made me into something that I wasn't usually like. Because it took a hold of me. How many of you know that you see some people like that? It's just like, whoa, what in the world is going on? Desire grabs a hold of them. 
They tried to make it up, and they, they, they got even another bike, and I was disappointed with that. It just, you know, just a, it, the, the lack of desire, when desire controls you, takes you down a path of ungratefulness for the very things that you have. Mary had some actions here, though. She says, listen, I know that my dreams... When I bring this alabaster box, I'm giving away my dream, my ability to be able to present to my groom this particular ointment. And my desire, in researching this a little bit more, you can find that the alabaster box was often, for the woman, taken and broken at the feet of the groom. And now she has no gift to give towards her man. Her man of the future. You know, it's interesting because the word of God says this, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And some people have read that throughout the years and they're like, yeah, he's going to give me everything that I want. I mean, isn't the word of God say that I, I pray and, and, you know, and I ask and, and what's, wherever, wherever two or three agree upon it, it shall be mine. <laughs> he hears from heaven, Right? But that part about delight yourself in the Lord is the key to this other part and will give you the desires of your heart. You see, your desires can only be wholesome, fulfilling, contenting types of desires when you have first of all delighted in the Lord. When you first of all abandoned your dreams and you said, Lord, this isn't about me. It can't be about me. I want to suggest to you that Mary emptied her heart out to the Lord. She says, Lord, I delight in you more than anything else. Martha's all wrapped up in, in all the preparations and, and taking care of all the things. She's even aggravated and irritated with me. I can't get there yet. But guess what? I'm going to go ahead and continue to just stay in your presence. You see... What will happen is when you surrender your dreams and your desires, it will also change your direction. And some people think, well, I've got it all mapped out. I've got it all set up. Listen, all of us love to hear the story of the person who is effective and on the evangelistic field or on the mission field or, or somewhere in ministry that was headed in one direction in their life took schooling for certain things, and all of a sudden God spoke to them and says, you know what, where you thought you were going to go, you're not going to go. And because they let go of that dream, let go of that desire, let go of that plan, it changed direction for their life, and now forever has altered the course of other people's lives. We love to hear those victory stories. We love to hear people who say, you know what, God changed things up. But when it comes to us, when it comes to the changes that will take place in us, all of a sudden we start to get a little bit skittish. We're like, hold on. <laughs> Time out. I mean, it doesn't matter what, it, what it's concerning. Maybe it's concerning money that you've been saving for something. For a vacation, for a particular recreational event, or an item, some type of possession, and the Lord lays on your heart and says, guess what? I want you to take that money that you've been saving for this particular activity, this particular thing, and I want you to give it to so-and-so. I want you to pay this bill for someone. I want you to give it in, the, in an offering. I want you to do something else with it. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa! That will change the direction that I was headed in. That will mean that I can't 
Oh, but this verse says, delight myself in the Lord and he will give me the desires of my heart. In other words, there's going to be a change in the direction of my desires. There's going to be something that takes place. There's going to be a, a draining out of me and a filling up of him. Listen, we used to sing that song, there's no turning back, no turning back. It was intended for us to, to, to put our hands to the plow and not turn back when it comes to the things of God. But all too often we find ourselves when it gets difficult or when it goes in a different direction from where we want to go, from what we feel the direction is, there is a pushback. And rather than having the breakthrough, rather than going to the next level to where God wants to take us, we find ourselves bored. We find ourselves unfulfilled. And there's some people who have been in the body of Christ for years, can count them over and over again and be thankful for the amount of years that you've been with in the church and with part of the body of Christ. And guess what, though? They're bored with their relationship. They're bored with going to church. They're bored with the people that's around them. What do you mean bored? I mean, they've grown weary and, and they said, is this all that there is? And I would suggest to you, it's not about what particular presentation. It's not about what particular program. It's not about the particular songs that we sing. It's not about the message that I preach to you, all right, that will take and move you from your boredom. But it will be the, the desire that you have to empty yourself of self. And begin to fill yourself up with the things of God. To truly say, Lord, it's not about what I want. It's not about my preferences. It's not about my plans. It's got to be about yours. And as I do that and I venture into the areas of the uncharted territories, maybe I'll be able to go as Abraham did and be able to th believe that wherever I put my foot, the Lord goes before me. Whatever things that I see, guess what? God's going to be able to give to me because I don't do it for my glory. I do do it for his glory i do it for his gain you're never going to experience anything that's out of the ordinary anything that's in the supernatural anything that's at the next level until you say guess what i'm going to take this foot and i'm going to pick it up and go to the next level you got to step out of your comfort zone church we've got to move to that place that says you know what it may be a different direction, but guess what? I got my hand in his hand. I'm following after him. I'm taking on his attitude. And guess what? I'm going to see myself fulfilled when I start to do things in his direction, in his way. Many of you know the man that I'm about to mention. His name is Steve Hill. Steve Hill came to this town a number of years ago in a, an event called Awake America, I believe. He passed away a few couple years ago, I guess, and he had been existing and been fruitful in many, many years of his ministry. He's now in the presence of the Almighty God. But his life was not always directed towards the things of God. If you know his story, and I'm sure that you probably do, if you were around in that time or you've read any of his biographies, you understand that as a teenager, he had some serious issues. He got involved in alcohol and illicit drugs, and at the age of 21, due to the effects of drug abuse, his b body began to shut down one Saturday morning. 
He began to have convulsions, uncontrollable, suffered through these extreme convulsions, and, and his mother didn't know what to do, so she had a preacher come over and pray for him. And here is what the pastor said. His name was Pastor Hugh Mozingo, and he said this to Steve. He says, Steve, I can't help you, but I know someone who can. His name is Jesus. And out of desperation, the account says that, G- that Hill, Steve Hill began to cry out just the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and instantly the convulsion stopped, and he stopped in that very particular moment, and the addictions that were in his life was broken off, all right? There was a process that had begun, but he knew that it wouldn't be complete until he had to rechange and alter the course of his life, and he went to a teen challenge, amen? He went to a teen challenge uh, uh, ministry and he found Jesus Christ there in a very personal way and, and he began to live his life for the Lord. Now listen, he was facing some serious time in prison because of his illicit drug use and, and his dealings and the things that had gone on. But this judge ordered for him to go to teen challenge. How many of you, you know what, you don't like it when people tell you what to do? But sometimes it's got to happen anyway. Listen, stop that. I don't want to. I said stop that. All the way from the earliest of children, the toddlers, one of the very first words they learn is, no, you can't stop this. You can't make me. Steve graduated from Teen Challenge, went on to become a staff member at Teen Challenge. He was a youth pastor in several churches. And he and his wife became missionaries. Went on the field. We was, as a youth ministry many, many years ago, was able to go and be with Steve over there in Belarus. Fantastic trip. And he went to London where a mighty revival was happening. He was prayed over. And he was healed, and he had some problems that was going on, and he went off to Brownsville. And on Father's Day of 1995, was part of something that began, that shook this whole nation and even the world. For five years, he continued preaching there, along with the pastor, and they saw some awesome things take place. It affected even this church. But it was a change in direction. I suggest to you that there may be some dreams that you have. There may be some desires that you have. But maybe you need to submit those things and empty yourself up so you can make a difference. That will forever change the direction of your life. Well, here's what's also going to happen, though. Is that Mary's actions brought out the disgruntled. Like, that's not a reaction that I want. But it's an action that will make a difference in other people's lives. You're like, really? How is that? I want the praise team to come, if you would, please. You see, when you are doing the things that the Lord wants you to do, and people are mumbling and grumbling and complaining about it, as was the individuals here, as they, they looked upon and they said, Certainly, why this waste? They look at you and say, some people, well-meaning individuals, 
will look at your life at different times and will know that you're laying something at the altar and they will call you a radical, a zealot. They will look at you and say, well, I've been serving God this way all along and he didn't ask me to give up on that dream. He didn't ask me to give up on that desire. He didn't ask me to change that direction. But it's in those times and it's in those seasons that you can't listen to what other people are saying. You've got to listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And you know the things that have held a higher place in your relationship with the Lord. And you need to offer those things up to Him. And you need to place them at His feet. And you need to get ready to bring yourself low. You need to get ready to humble yourself and say, Lord, I don't know exactly where this is going to take me. I felt like I was on this particular path. I was going in this particular direction. But now, I sense that you are leading me in another direction. And guess what, Lord? It's not about my will. It's not about my dreams. It's about being a difference maker for you. Jim Gall, in Wasted on Jesus, a writing that he had a book, he says, Mary is bent on wasting her life on her Lord, the God who loved her and forgave her, and she doesn't care who knows about it or what anyone else thinks. As we realize more and more who we are as sinners, and as we recognize the magnitude of what Christ has done for us, the more our hearts will rise up in us like the heart of Mary of Bethany. And we'll find ourselves saying, Lord, I want my life to be a drink offering poured out upon you. Wasting our life on God is a doorway to greater intimacy with Him. He says, Jim says, I'm tired of boring church and mundane Christianity. How about you? Let me say it again. I'm tired of boring and mundane Christianity. How about you? We are living in the time, and I believe the Word of God to be true, when His Spirit has already been poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters are supposed to be having dreams and and all men visions and things are supposed to be taking place. It isn't waiting for the next move of God. It's us being the move of God, church. It's us looking at what we're involved in, the things that we're consumed with, the things that we hold as a value and say, Lord, it's not about what I want, but it's got to be about what you want. And if anything in this time of prayer and fasting ought to be happening for you, you ought to be looking at those things that, 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 that you've thought about and says, I can't do that. I can't give that up. I can't keep going on. I'm just too weak. Well, guess what? Understand your limits. That's a good place to be. But then, don't let something rule you. For the Word of God says, nothing should be your master but Him. Don't let anything be your master. For Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one could serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Mark 8.36 says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I do have a question for you. Are you too full to make a difference? 
Are you too full? Are you too full of yourself, your own dreams, your own desires? That you won't allow for the Lord to change the direction because you're scared, because we're fearful. Young people, old people, whatever you want to call yourself, experienced individuals, listen. It's not too late for you to be used in a supernatural work of God in other people's lives. It doesn't matter. There's never been an age thing. Come on. Come on. Caleb said, guess what? I'm feeling young at 80. I'm feeling young. He's, come on, church. How many of you say, you know what? I don't care what everybody else says I'm going to feel. What I'm supposed to remember. How strong I'm supposed to be able to be and all those things. I am declaring today that with every breath that's within me, with every single time that my heart beats, I'm going forward for Him. I'm going to make a difference for Him. I'm going to empty myself of me. I'm going to do what Jesus said I have to do. Deny myself to take up my cross and follow Him. I want you to bow your heads with me, if you would, please. While you have your eyes closed, Jesus explained to the other woman, or Mary, in the book of Luke. You can go and look at that account. As to why she was willing to waste her life on him. And the answer to that was because she loved him so much she knew she was forgiven from much one of the problems that we have and for people who've been in the church for a long time even is that we forget from what we've been forgiven from it's been so long ago and we've so eradicated and got a lot of yucky things out of our lives but God says I'm not going to stop working in you. I'm not going to bring this work into completion until we are together. I'm still bringing you in. So as you sit there right now and you ponder with your eyes closed so it's just not a distraction, I wonder if you're saying, God, grant me the grace to see my own sinfulness. I wonder if that would be an appropriate prayer for you today. I wonder if you might say, if I just knew how much God had forgiven me, that I could be a whole lot more gracious and forgiving to others. Listen, Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to to be difference makers for other individuals who die don't know you yet and this last thought the church is not a museum for saints but a hospital for sinners it can't be about what particular plaques we can put on the wall what particular types of accomplishments and and we've counted those things up and and maybe it's been part of your dreams and your desires and and i'm not saying every single one's been wrong but guess what we've even got to empty ourselves of that so that arrogance doesn't slip in and it limits us and we say we've attained this we've got there and we quit Heavenly Father, I pray for this body of Central Assembly right now. 
And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to realize the task and the missions and the purposes that are before us. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would see how full we are of ourselves at times and we need to empty ourselves out to make a difference. That, Lord, we have allowed for for the dreams and the desires to, to take our precedence over maybe what your will might be. And it might be a different direction. It might be a different way. And Lord, I pray that you would help us by the power of your Spirit to entertain those thoughts. I pray in Jesus' name that that you would put a a joy and a leap within individuals as they get ready to go forward in your name. What are we wasting our life on? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed and you're here in this place and, and you know there's, there's, there's some things. There's some things that you are full of. There's some things, there's some, there's some things that are taking your attention, taking your desires, that are, that are they're pulling you in a wrong direction. As, and as full as you are, you're dissatisfied. And you say, you know what? I know what those are, and I'm giving them over to the Lord. If that's you, by the uplifted hand, lift up your hand right now. Come on. There's some things that I've, that I've let fill me up and, uh, and full, and I've, I've got to get rid of those things. All right? You can put your hands down. How many in this place would say, you know what, Pastor? You said, I know exactly what it is, but I don't. The problem is I'm just dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied. I, 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 I need more of Him. and I really don't even know how to empty myself out. But, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do that right now. Is there someone here today that says, Yeah, I'm just dissatisfied. I can't pull my finger on it. But guess what? I want more of Him. And I'm going to find a way. I'm willing to pray the prayer that says, Lord, empty me. Come on, if that's you, lift up your hand. That's it. A few more. Good, good. You can put those down. You know, the emptiest person in here today I should say the the person that's actually lacking in the, the fullness of the spirit is the ones who who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if you're here today I'm telling you something I've, this message is a lot for the church but you might find yourself here today as, as backslid. You might find yourself here today and you might say, you know what, I know that things are astray in my life. I know that what I'm doing is not bringing glory and honor to Him. But you're willing to turn your life over to Him today. You want to change in your life. You came in here today, you wasn't sure of your eternal destination, but today you want to be. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out anybody here today. If that's you, you say, you know what, I need to make a decision for the Lord today. I see that young man. God bless you. Anyone else over here? Yes, I see that. Yes, ma'am. You may. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. <laughs> Would we have church? Would we go through the, the praising of the Lord and inhabiting His, His, His presence? Would, would we do that? Because He inhabits our, our praises, right? Would we, would we want His presence so that two people can say, you know what, I'm going to get things right with God today. Would you do that? Amen? Thank you, Lord, for doing that right now. I want to pray a prayer. I want everybody in this place to repeat this prayer because I think it affects us all. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Sinner and saints alike, I know that this prayer will make a difference in your life if you mean it from within your innermost being. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being patient with us, for showing us the things that we need to get rid of 
the dreams, the desires, so that you could change our direction. We thank you for sending your son to take away all my sins. Help me to remember what I've been forgiven from so I can make a difference for you. Thank you for liberating me. I offer now myself to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you made a decision for the Lord, you could take that connection card and I may have received it, but there's another one that's in the back of your seat and you could fill that out and say, I, I made a decision for the Lord and, and I, I want Him to do things in my life and we'll make contact with you, all right? We want to make a difference in your life. We want to sing this song in closing. Go ahead and uh, lead us in that, if you would, please. And then you may be dismissed. Dismiss whenever you need to be at that point in time. Go ahead. thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you will receive from us what we offer to you. That, Lord, it is possible for us to take on the same attitude as you. And we offer ourselves and bring ourselves low that you will be lifted up. We thank you for your goodness and your desire to work in our lives so that we can make a difference for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Just a reminder tonight, tonight at 5.30 is our service time. Our pre-service prayer is incorporated in our prayer time. And in our church at 5.30 and our service time at 5.30. Okay, so it's 5.30. Everything starts. God bless you. Was my worship more than just a song? 